Welcome to Broadband Action, a podcast presented by the Community Broadband Action Network. I'm Curtis Dean. My co-host is John Willow, also a co-founder of C-Band. And joining us today to discuss eSports is Jason Clark. He is one of the co-founders of the nascent Collegiate Fighting Game Conference. Jason, great to see you. You as well. You as well. Hey, Jason. Hello. Always good to catch up. Absolutely. Um, it's been a while. So it's been Curtis. It's been a minute, and I'm excited to talk to you guys. Yeah, so much has been happening for you the last years, last year and a half. And let's just jump right into it. Um, While the world of esports doesn't necessarily seem like a broadband band equity or infrastructure topic on the surface, which is what we cover here at Broadband Action. Some excellent work has been done in communities that to create high school and local college programs that do have a big impact. Um, Jason, you've got a background in building successful esports programs in public high schools that provide a positive social culture, teach critical thinking skills, and improve the technology skills of both students and, you said, their parents. So now you and your partners and others, you're starting a new collegiate esports conference of typically non-league style games in a rapidly evolving esports world where existing leagues are shutting down or massively reorganizing to stay afloat and achieve institutional relevance. So the CF GC model is fundamentally different from what's out there now. Let's dive in. Jason, tell us what is the CFGC and how did it come to be? Who's it for? Yeah, so um, CFGC came about of typically there's plenty of esports, college and high school esports that evolve around like games people probably heard of, League of Legends, Valorant, stuff like that, Rocket League. Um, but was severely underrepresented was fighting games and that's like Street Fighter, Mortal Kombat, Tekken. And um, part of it is they're traditionally like laying like one-on-one face-to-face, right? And those games haven't had like a great net code for it to be able to like, because if you think you're fighting one-on-one, every every button mash, everything makes has to land, has to connect well. Um, so you can't have any lag in that. Um, but the newer games have all that to where even in our conference, like we have kids competing from, Iowa all the way to Guam. So um, the reason we started it is because I've been involved in Scholastica College Esports for around about five or six years now. And every semester I've done it, I've always had kids ask like, hey, do you guys do anything for fighting games? Do you think for fighting games? And I'm always like, nah, man, there's there's nothing really out there. And um, finally, one of my uh, one of the co-founders, he tweeted out or X'd out or whatever it's called. Uh, Something along the lines of, hey, is there anything for fighting games? And I responded, man, I've been begging for it for years. Screw it. Let's build it. And so we started building it. And one of the things about fighting games is that it, it serves a pretty a population that doesn't typically have a face within esports. So it's a huge minority representation. And so now we wanted to create a home. So if those students wanted a place to play, then they would have a place to play. And that's how this all kind of started and jumped out. So I guess uh, you just had your first beta season, yeah? Mm-hmm. And uh, you've learned a lot. So give us a look into 2024 and beyond. What's the plan? Yeah, so the the idea is our, our beta went extremely well. We were very happy. We had a huge, huge response to it. And it's one of those, uh, if, we, if we build it, they will come type situations. And so the plan now is we're going to do our first actual full season this spring, starting in February that'll actually versus going three weeks and a, a finals 
it'll go like I think right now we're playing eight weeks and then a finals that will be in person. And we're working with uh, developing partners for that. Um, and then that'll be our, our first year. And we're pretty excited to see how that goes. That'll give us every every bit of information we need to try to grow and move forward. Um, the cool thing about fighting games, though, is that the FGC is what you'll hear it called. It's the fighting games community. It's very community-based. And so we, we try to keep that in mind. And as we build and move forward, it all comes back to what's best suited for them. Because what's best suited for them will keep them trusting us, and that gives us the ability to keep growing and keep building. So that's our that's our hope is next fall to be a fully trustworthy league that colleges are more than happy to recruit for, and see this as somewhere they can send. And that as colleges are willing to recruit for, that opens up scholarship money for those kids that we want to serve, and so that'll give them an opportunity to play the game they enjoy and get paid a little bit to go to school. And so that's our that's our goal, and that's what we're working to. And I think this fall we'll see a pretty good representation of that. So, so Jason, how do you feel that your your model for this league is unique, and and why do you think this is the right time for this type of league? Yeah. So, um, typically, what you're what what leagues are really looking for is they want they want huge partnerships. They want to bring in all the the, the money, the foreign investment, all that mm. cool stuff is, uh, as I talked about before, with the idea of like it's community, the FGC is community. There are small communities out there everywhere and they all have students in them. And I think if we keep pushing on building that community just for with our focus in collegiate, then that'll bring them in. Right. That'll that'll really kind of what's the best way to word this? I guess this is what I said before. It'll give them a home. And so as we as we build, as long as we keep the community focus in mind and we keep it mostly as affordable as we can, like we want to get partnerships to make it where we can. Um, oh, my gosh. I'm, oh, I butchered that. I hope that doesn't screw up your path. Oh, you just start start over at a at a, at a, uh, <laughs> okay, right. at a stopping point and, and we'll clean this up in post. Yes, yeah, yeah. so, and as long as you're going to re-answer, Jason, here's something oh. I wasn't clear on, which is probably innate to you, but maybe not to everyone. Um, when you we're talking about getting collegiate buy-in, and so could you like sort of talk about what like how the teams work? Are they embedded in individual colleges? Is that where the partnerships come from? Are you looking to develop scholarship programs like from the league or from individual schools? Or and yeah. we don't just like over time, just kind of talk about how to draw people in and where you're drawing them to. Gotcha. Yep. Yeah. It doesn't have to be when you answer this question, but let's just keep it in <laughs> mind. To, all right. Can do. Would you Would you or like you me to ask the question, question again, um, Jason? Uh, you can. I have it right here too. I can just run from it if you'd like. Yeah. Unless well, it'd be yeah, better for you. it. All right. Yeah. So the um the I I think we're unique in the fact that we're we're very very community focused and um. The example, like I've seen the examples of that just in our beta of I'm in a lot of discords, which is like primarily how it's a, it's our version of gamer version of Slack. Right. Um, and on that, you'll see like I'll see other leagues and it's, it's purely about the competition, which is awesome. That's great for them. Um, for ours, because we want to stay true to that FGC, that fighting games community is what it's called. Um, we really focused on building the building that community within our, our collegiate scene of getting those kids where they can come and be like, Hey, you're in college. I'm in college. This is something I don't get at my local, which is like where students will go to face 
those other people. Those are everywhere. They're really fun to go to if you get a chance. Um, and I think, and I've seen, I've seen them get in. I've seen students jump in and say, "Man, I was terrible in that match. That was awful." And then them build them up, right? Like, "No, nah, dude, you just mm-hmm. got to change this." Like helping their competition, right? Because they're just going to get better by doing that. But the fun thing about FGC is that while they're playing, there'll be so much trash talk. But I always equate <laughs> it back to rugby. That when I played rugby, we would, you'd hear the most vile things on the pitch. <laughs> But then afterwards, we're all best friends, and fighting games is a great representation of that. Where, um, and I think it's part of that community, it's part of that identity, right? And we're wanting to pull that in on the collegiate side of giving those students that. And as I was talking about before, is as we build up that trust that we're gonna, we're 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 here, we're a thing that's gonna stay. Um, the scholarship, we think that primarily these kids that are coming out like. Like the, one of the biggest representations of fighting games is in community colleges. And we've seen that through our beta too, is that you get those type of kids who are underrepresented and colleges are like, esports is a way of recruitment for them, right? It's it's that unique tuition dollars that can come in and they want to retain the, that money. And so we can look on that end of, hey, if we can give colleges, hey, we can, I can recruit people for this league because I can trust they'll be around for four years. Um, then that gives them, hey, we're recruiting and we have some scholarship money to recruit. That's cattail. Um, and <laughs> that's how we, we, always uh, have, we always have pets in our podcast. So don't <laughs> worry about that. Um, but yeah, so as we, that's the idea is that we want to, as they believe in us and we believe in the students, then that'll give, we can build those partnerships with those universities. So they'll want to, support us, you know, financially, like we all, we have jobs, we're putting money into this. It'd be awesome to not have to watch my own bank account drain, drain a little bit, but. <laughs> at, <laughs> That's so what sounds we, all the time, Jason, <laughs> as we all know. Yeah. It's every passion project. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, so that's the idea. And I think yeah. the, the huge focus here is community. And that's what the FGC, that's the fighting game community. And that's what we want to focus on is to continuously build that community and just have that that slow, structured, organic growth over time versus like seeking out all the investment money in the world we can. Is that if we just focus on community and let the community build it up, let them trust us, we'll trust them, then the rest will come. I I just want to emphasize the the word community there. It's so it's so important. I mean, the, the inclusiveness of any community like this, but in many cases, I know online gaming can be one of the few ways for some some kids to be able to have that community and um the fact that you're doing that um with uh, the fighting games is really cool uh what uh if i could ask what games are you guys um did you do in your beta system or season what what games did you use and what games are you planning on having uh people participate in this fall yeah in the beta so the original idea is we wanted to get we wanted to focus on the games that don't have any representation in the collegiate or high school scene at all right now. And that was Street Fighter, Tekken, Mortal Kombat, and a game called Guilty Gear Strive, which is anime-based, and all the all the kids love the anime-based things. Um, and so we really focused on those. We had a big calling for Smash, like Super Smash Brothers, uh, which is what you see mostly in college, just because it's people can get behind the idea of you know, Mario fighting Pikachu, but it gets a little rougher when you have Mortal Kombat and someone ripping someone <laughs> else's head off, right? 
Um, typically, you would think that schools don't really, you don't want to have like the IU logo on that. Um, so Smash has always been the go-to. And our thought was, well, there's tons of Smash, right? Kids, there's plenty of opportunity yeah. for students to play Smash. So let's focus on the ones. We'll be the guys that everyone is like, oh, I don't know if we'll buy into those games. But they have because there's people that want to play them, right? And I think when you have that, if you there's that demand, if you push that supply, it'll be great. Um, so uh, moving forward, <clears throat> we really seen that like we go back to that equity idea, and one of the things that you see a lot in collegiate esports is everything usually evolves around right, like the mouse and keyboard. Yeah. But I look back when I was growing up, like I never had a computer. And when I did want a gaming thing, one of my favorite stories is that I got a Nintendo 64 and I was super excited and I didn't even question why anything. It was just like wrapped and was there. And it was because my um, biological mother bought it from a pawn shop. And oh. so I, I was thinking like, man, there's there's a ton of kids out there. And you see that a lot in like the lower of the economic scale of kids. And then a lot of like the, there was actually, um, the esports director of Southern Law actually put it out that if you're going to re recruit and focus and make things equitable for black students, you got to keep in mind that they grow up on what we call the sticks on the uh, controller as well, right? On on these mm -hmm. guys. And so that's the thing in fighting games. It's all about that, the, the sticks. But then the other thing we're seeing now is the rise of mobile gaming. Like the biggest market, the most money in gaming is in mobile. And so we're uh, we're like, well, that's just another spot that doesn't have any representation. So our next build out is looking at like those mobile games that we can we can build into. And I think one of the bigger ones is Brawlhalla. So we're really mm -hmm. looking at that one because that'll give, regardless of what you have, most not all, but most have a phone or some kind of device like that. So we're trying to do everything we can to get this in an opportunity for the kids that normally haven't had it. This is really interesting because um, just full disclosure, Curtis and I met Jason about a year and a half ago. Um, we got a chance to sit down and really talk with him and, and, and learn about his, his origin story of the, of the cause work that he's been doing, the really important work. And, uh, and it all kind of goes back to rural Indiana. And, uh, and I, I, I would love it if you would share a little bit about how you came to the discovery that eSports was, was a winner for, for broadband equity in, in isolated communities. Yeah. So I think um, that's, that's the, the thing when it, when it comes to broadband, I always go back to the idea that like, I grew up in rural Indiana. I, everyone I was around, like none of us had any of this stuff. Right. I remember when I was growing up, it was still like the, the dial up, which if you were trying to use aim, it was like spotty at best, right. If it's going to work or not. Um, and then when I first had the opportunity, I it was like my first or second year in the teaching. I just finished my master's and we had some kids push like, hey, can we do esports? And I was like, yeah, man, that sounds awesome. Like I grew up doing like land parties and stuff. Uh, and you were in Richmond, up, Indiana, right? Yeah, Richmond, Indiana. Yeah. And uh, I grew up like going to like the arcade in the mall and watching like my cousin play tech and not let me play because I was the weird little cousin go away. Um, and so we... Uh, um, when we first started it, like we were able to get, uh, it was called a, um, a roll low income grant from the department of ed. And when we, I remember when we submitted it all, it was like gaming chair, uh, gaming monitor, like, well, gaming keyboards, all this stuff. And everything got kicked back except the monitors, because I think that's what we didn't put gaming with monitor. It was just monitor. And we were like, what the, what the heck, man? And they were like, 
yeah, you're not going to get gaming, rename everything. So we did like ergonomic <laughs> chair and stuff like that. Um, and everything got approved. And it was like, okay, wow. Like we're one of the few programs that's actually going to have like a lab. And the, the students went absolutely nuts. Like we had no idea like what was going to come out of it. Like how many students we were going to have. Um, and we ended up, I think it was, I remember right, something like a hundred and seven come out after we said there were rules like 90 something stuck around um <laughs> uh and then and then when i looked at the the data of it like like 86 or something like that didn't do anything else in the school they had no other identity of the mm. school and my favorite story of that is when they uh um they came up one day and they came like a little squad they came in the hallway i'm like mr clark we need to talk and I was like, yeah, what's up? And they're like, we want to get together and name the team. And I was like, what do you nerds talk about? Name a team. Um, and I was like, <laughs> we already have a team name. Like, we're the Richmond Red Devils. And they were like, oh, it's because they were so disconnected from school. They were, it was just a place they had to wow. go. Versus like, they didn't the even think of themselves as, as part of the school identity. Absolutely. Yeah. And so when you see the research says that, like, once you tie yourself to the school, if you do any kind of like band or soccer or whatever, then you're going to see a grade boost. You're going to see involvement. Oh, absolutely. And so uh, this esports was like a just a missing of all the kids have their thing. Esports was a missing thing that just as a school we didn't realize. And so once they came out, like it was it was great. Like they would be at the lab door, like crawling in, like Daisy trying to crawl in like zombies. <laughs> and um, so once we actually started competing and started getting kids going and playing. Um, most of them, and so we had to buy controllers because most of them didn't have, they'd never used a PC in their life. Well, as for gaming wise, they've always used it for whatever. And a lot of them, the most they'd use the computer was a Chromebook. So having like an actual like desktop PC and them learning what like a GPU is and a CPU and, you know, the, the mega, the, the Hertz of the screen, all that cool stuff. Mm -hmm. They, um, we saw like an overall full letter grade boost within a year on average wow, of all wow. those students. Wow. And so I remember one of the things I was really focused on was getting some kind of merch, right? Something that said like Red Devil Esports or something. And um, some of the kids, I, I remember I had to have like that, that grown man mentor talk of like, hey buddy, you know, you've worn that jersey like four days in a row. Like <laughs> it's, it's a really, it really stands out. We need to, we need to chat about this real quick. And um, fortunately, as you said, those lower income students, the school we worked at had um, laundry service. So we were able to like, let's get let's get it down there and get a little freshen up a little bit. And then you can <laughs> you can pop your jersey back on. But it was just because they never had anything like that. And when they were at most of them at home, like like the, the town itself had like a decent Internet access. But like once you pushed out, like my parents were 10 minutes out of town. And they were still debating, do we want to use this, this dial-in or do we want to like spend for the satellite, right? And a lot of those kids were like that. They lived just outside where they just, they didn't have anything. And this was 2016, 2017, right? Um, and so as we had that opportunity in the school, now we could actually start to focus in like, hey, we got them here. Hey, you're playing Fortnite. This is fun. Um, now let's learn how we can communicate. Here's how we talk to people on the internet versus just being anonymous, right? Here's the thing that John and I talked about before is like, here's how you just be a professional human being on mm. the internet, that digital literacy, right? Um, so yeah, so that's a, that's our fun little background of esports. You know, I think it's kind of, 
I think it's kind of illuminating to talk a little bit about your high school's population too. This was a rural high school in in a in a classic Midwest scenario where, you know, in Indiana, just like all of our other Midwestern states, you've got some shining jewel academic and urban centers, and then you have like just insane rural poverty, just Absolutely, devastating yeah. rural poverty. And it and it and and there and and you know, just like the rural, just like the rural um, broadband equity situation that CBAN is specifically working on in Iowa, you didn't, you had this, you know, Richmond had all this, those, those same challenges and none of the support that we're enjoying now. So who are those kids? And, and, you know, you said they were, they were living on the fringes, but this wasn't a high school where, where most people were affluent and only a few people were out on the edges, right? Like you really had to build something from the ground up, including educating people about why this is important. Yeah. 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 So it was, uh, they, so the town itself, I, it was one of those like, typical Midwestern town where back in the day it had a beautiful giant industry, right? There was a whole side of town that has these old giant, beautiful factory buildings that are all mostly just empty inside. And one was the underwear factory that you can no longer go inside because of some chemical. And I'm like, well, that's weird because it was for underwear. But um, that's just the, <laughs> the story of rural Midwest infrastructure, right? Um, yeah. And so, uh, but yeah, and so most of the, the kids that went there, like this town, it was, I think at its peak, it was at like 70,000. And right now it's, it's about 25. Like as industry left, people leave, right? As people get older and realize there's just nothing for me to do here, they leave. And the high school was having that same, the brain drain where everyone was going um and so the the student population itself like i said we we qualified for a roll roll low income grant and that was because the the poverty level at the school uh we also qualified for the 100 the beginning way more popular to have like a free lunch overall the entire school the free lunch program mm -hmm. um they had to do lunch trucks in the summer which when they came out with them there people got so mad they're like oh why are you gonna have like food trucks it was because they had to go set up in neighborhoods to feed kids because they weren't going to eat otherwise. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so that was the, the kind of community that we, we were in. And even in those food trucks, they had to change the rules after a year because parents were coming up. Yeah. The parents were like, hey, like, this is awesome. You're feeding my kid, but is there any chance I can get anything left over? So they had to, like, find more money for that. So that's the kind of community that had this. And this, in that situation, like, when you're looking at like survival of like, Hey, I need to get a food truck or I'm, I'm buying what I can for my kid at the pawn shop. Right. Um, when it, when it comes to the digital liter literacy or that digital equity or any of that, it's not, it's not at the forefront of thought, right. When you're thinking about survival, but in the long run, if you want to find that success in our modern age, right, it's very important. And so I think esports is a way that draws kids in because they're like, Hey, I can find that escapism for a little bit just by playing rocket league, little, Sorry if I hit my mic. Uh, little <laughs> um, and so, and then parents getting them to buy in because they're like, why is my kid focused on this? And so once you get that data of like, well, look, there's a whole letter grade bump. Also, like a lot of the stuff you get on gaming too is like it has that reputation. And it's an earned reputation, don't be wrong, of being kind of vile because of that anonymous factor, right? And esports is a way to really kind of like put some governance around it, right? Mm -hmm. So if you're going to have students come in, then it's, hey, there's expectations on how you talk to each other. There's expectations on how we interact because like 
one of our very first matches, and it's the funniest thing in the world to me, but I had to be a professional about it, was that uh, we we played it. We played a match, League of Legends. We lost. The other school, one of the kids in game chat, sent a link. One of my kids clicked on it, which I always told them don't do it. Oh but no! Through these students, and it, luckily it wasn't a bad link. The link itself, well, I guess it was bad to them. Was how to uninstall that game. <laughs> <laughs> Um, that's kind of a jab yeah. <laughs> and I, so like they were kind of devastated so we had to have a little talk about that and like the old gamer in me was like oh that was good but, <laughs> right. good burn, but wrong <laughs> but from the educator standpoint it was like well let's let's talk through this and this is a great opportunity to talk to the other program right and talk to the other coach and still talk with that that guy today um and those kids they all learned a valuable lesson um but no it was it's just fun. It just well, as an educator, as Good. an educator, as an educator, you're always looking for those teachable moments, right? Absolutely. And they're yeah. usually not in the curriculum. <laughs> they're usually <laughs> something that happens on the side that allows you to go, "Aha! I can teach a lesson here. Um, I can help this person with a life skill they may need later." So. So if, if a college was, was if you, when you are, I, I assume that one of the actions of the, of the league's building is to form relationships and partnerships with individual colleges. Um, what do you, what do you tell them? How do you, how do you get, how do you get schools interested um, in, in, in signing up for something that big? Because as we all know, there's lots of pressures on, on every institution just to maintain what they've got. Yeah. And so for one, the easiest way on that is, we're, we're, we're another tool they can use to recruit, right? They, um, cause right now, if you're looking at like, Hey, I'm going to put up a team for rocket league, you can have three people, right? And then you can say, we're going to have three teams. So they're going to, okay, I could recruit 12 for rocket league, or I can recruit 10 for league of legends. So you're, you can, and you don't want to have multiple uh, 20 teams, which you right. can, but it, it doesn't really serve anyone. If you're just water does it down too much. Yeah, you don't want to be the hey, I got recruited to be on the our eighth team, right? <laughs> um, so we're just another tool of hey, this is something else I could recruit for that I could put students into. And that's because every every collegiate director has a recruiting goal, right? From their admin. It, it's how they I always talk about it like a friend of mine just got a job in Defiance College in Ohio. And we were he was really focused on like, oh, I want to build the community, I want to do this. And it's like well, man, you got you got to recruit. Like that's all they're going to want to hear about. Because if you want to do the fun, cool job, you got to bring the money in, right? Because mm -hmm. it always comes back to that. And so um, he got his recruiting goal, and so now he's looking at like I could do such and such for this, such and such for this game. But now we offer four more games that you can bring kids in, and they have a purpose while they're there. You get the tuition dollars. If we build enough, a good enough of a league that students are hyped for then that's retention for them, right? They can say, well, you can compete next year because we they're still here, right? And that's the goal on that. The The other one is part of that retention of keeping them with us is part of my job is when I first developed this, I reached out to every single director that I knew and said, what would you want to see in the league? And of course, their first thing is because the esports world is so fickle, as you talked about at the start, is, well, what's your guys' like, are you going to be around? And part of that is I was pretty straightforward. And I said, well, we don't, we don't have any outside investors, right? We're not and our plan is not to let any big investor come in and say, Hey, here's this, here's what I want in return, because we want to be able to put as much back into it. If it's a slow growth thing, that's fine. 
That's why we focus on the community because the community will grow us. We'll grow them. Um, and once you talk about that, then that gets them that buy-in because also they see that we're here for student wise. We're not here because I want to buy, <coughs> I want to buy a mansion. Right. <laughs> and so, and the other one is like all of us that are involved are esports guys, right? Like I'm a former director. My, one of our partners, he is a, uh, current director at Oklahoma Christian. One of the other ones is a business esports professor at Harrisburg. Like we're all esports guys and we all want to see here's what's best for the student. Here's an opportunity that we see they don't have. And I think once we talk to college directors and talk to their programs, then they can see, okay, these are some we want to buy in. And then we add in other things too. Like one of our, one of our advisory board members, uh, Dr. Holman, he's at St. Cloud. He actually has his doctorate from Purdue in tech and, and it's a long title that somehow I didn't think in gaming someone would be able to like make me go, what the heck is this? But it's like tournament sub game theory. So he's really a doctor of fighting games. And he really wants to be like, hey, here's, I really want to implement all this stuff I researched into a league. Awesome, dude. Let's do it. Right. And we've had so many schools reach out and go, hey, not only do we have students that want to play, but we also have students that do socials or they do production or so on and so forth. Um, so we're, yeah, put your students into us, right? Like, we we don't have the money to pay everybody, so we can do an internship wise, and they can get credit for you. Awesome, let's do it. And so that just opens up tons of educational opportunities that schools can buy in, not just to have someone fight in one of the games, but also like they can build their portfolios, they can build who they are. So, um, but yeah, I gotta. We're gonna bring the plane in for a landing here, Jason. I appreciate it. We could talk about this, I think, for a lot longer, but. Uh, in the interests of keeping our uh, our uh, podcast to the uh, about the right length, got one last question for you uh, on your beta season. How many you know how many how many schools were represented in that beta season? And tell me what your goals are for uh, your next uh, season. Yeah, so um, part of a once we put it out there, we we did a rolling sign up, right? So mm-hmm. we our kind of our promotion on it was if we get people competing, we get we promote that like, hey, they did this and we get to directors, we'll have more sign up. And by the end of it, we had representation from 71 schools. Wow. Like, so that was all the way from the University of Guam to the Jersey Institute of Technology, like everything in between. Right. And a few in Canada, we had one in Alaska, like we were all over the map on it. Um, but we kept seeing pockets. Right. We would see like a few outlier schools. There's big pockets because those, like I said, it's fighting against community. They talk and they grow outwards. So mm-hmm. when we would hit, like, say, the University of Iowa, we saw a big pop from people in Iowa, from Iowa State and Iowa and stuff like that, out to Missouri and to Minnesota. The same thing in Florida. Like, we had a few people jump in from uh, USF in Florida, and then we saw, like, community colleges in Central Florida and Florida State. We saw it just push out from there. So the goal is to keep hitting those pockets and keep letting it organically grow as students want to join. Um, and that's a... And again, it just as that slow growth, right? Like we're not purposely pushing out saying like, let's get to every director we can to sign up because we want to be, we realize who we are. Like we're, we're learning a lot of this, right? Like the sure. word verbals was pretty new to me. Um, yeah. So as we uh, grow out, that's the idea. It's hit those pockets. We'll grow from there. Hit the next pocket, grow from there. And that'll be our slow, sustained growth. And Great. then the, like I said, and that's, that's the hope. And, 
again, it goes back. The college kids see the same thing that the high school kids see, right? Like some of the kids that join, like there was a, a student from Boise State. They're not a part of their esports program because their esports program doesn't offer it. But we still like, yeah, you're a college student. You can join. So they didn't like say they said the high school kids. They didn't do anything else at the school. They just went to Boise State. So now they're going to their director saying, hey, can I be a part of your program and keep doing this thing? And back to that, I was talking about my little nerds in high school. That gets them tied in. And now they have a purpose. They'll want to, especially if they get involved in their esports for those expectations, those rules I talked about were, were academic and behavior and stuff like that, right? So now they have a, a standard. Hey, I need to look at the standard if I want to keep doing this, if I want to rock the, the Boise State, right? And so <laughs> hoping to see the same type of growth on that. That is so exciting. Um, just just a final comment. Um, as a as a teacher myself too, um, I see this opportunity for you to get in and, and reach some of these kids at the community college level who who are uninvolved, like the kids in your high school programs. Where I almost wonder, like, is that a selling point to a community college where less than half the students who enroll graduate? You know, like, Absolutely. is there a way to like? like to lock into something bigger than just esports with these institutions. I see there, I just see a lot of exciting possibility. Yeah. And that's part of why I said that esports adds that governance, right? Like when you get that in, then you can start offering like some schools even have like an esports major, like, like there's a esports, uh, what is it? Esports management, which really is just sports management, right? So you're still learning all mm -hmm. those things that would go with that you're just narrowing your focus over onto esports, but you still get the idea of management and people leadership and all that cool stuff. And I think community college is the same way. Cause like we talked about earlier, like the small communities, there was a small one next to me called Connorsville and there used to be a Ford plant there. And that was like the blood of the town. Right. Um, and they left, they, they, the, that company left and that town was dead in the water for years. And then another company was coming in and it was, Back to that literacy thing, it was crazy to see that, like, the day they announced, you know, they had congressmen, all that cool stuff there. The next day, they, uh, the bank had, like, a line of people wanting loans because, like, oh, I'm going to get a job over here. Because they'd grown up, like, I just work in the factory in town. That's what I do. But then that factory said, hey, like, because of the way that technology is now, essentially everyone we hire is going to have to have an, at least an associate's degree in, like, engineering or something like that, manufacturing. Okay. And that like blew all their minds because like, well, how am I going to do this? Right. How does this even work? But if you add in something like esports to that of like, hey, you can come do esports, focus on like those trade jobs. Right. Because mm -hmm. those are still super needed. Then that's another reason to go to school. You get that education. And now you have those doors of those opportunity opening for you, even at that level. So I think this it, it all comes back to that recruitability and retention. Right. Because I think there was. When I was recruiting, there were so many kids I would reach out to that, like, they weren't even thinking about college. They were just like, I'm going to graduate and find a job because that's rural Indiana. That's what you do. Um, but now they're like, oh, cool. I can I can go to this regional campus, pay a super low tuition, get a lot. I think the tuition at the campus I was at was it was a public school. We were at like it was like seventy eight hundred dollars. And then after it was all said and done, like the tuition was like eight hundred dollars for the year. Wow. And wow. so you're like, what was that? $3,200 for a bachelor's degree. Like, and you have to play some games and learn a lot. And <laughs> part of that is just being that mentor of, Hey, I've been through this. Let's work together. Let's see what your resources are and get the best out of this we can. And I think that's part of what kind of comes back to esports is you're, you're a mentor to kids that typically haven't had one. Right. And so you can kind of guide them along on it. 
But anyways, I got long-winded again. So, <laughs> Well, obviously, there's a lot of passion there. And you share that passion with a lot of people. And it's yeah. really neat. And we're, we're really happy, Jason, you're able to put your passion to work on, on something that serves a larger goal. So congratulations yeah. to you and yeah, you. to your partners. And our guest today has been Jason Clark, one of the co-founders of the Collegiate Fighting Game Conference. Uh, on behalf of John Will, I'm Curtis Dean. Thank you all for joining us here today on Broadband Action.